Corsavino with American Outdoor News. Welcome to the American Outdoor News podcast and the second part of our interview with Chris Brackett. Um, if you like our podcast, please subscribe, share the interview with your friends, and here we go. Yeah. So what's well, next for you? What's next? What do you got coming up this year? Um. So for me, so for me, it is literally. I think is going to be now teaching how to buy land. And what I mean by that is, you know, I was born and raised with a, you know, divorced parents. My father passed on, but my, my mom was a school teacher, uh, fourth grade. Like we didn't, we, we didn't, we didn't always know how we were going to, you know, we had, let's say we had breakfast three or four times a week, you know, you yeah. know, school teachers don't, don't make much. And, uh, so for me to ever have the dream of buying land, it's a, that's a big deal. And then now to own land, oh, um, that's the American dream. Sure. So I, I'm finding out that I have uh, many wealthy clients and people in my life that they've done well for themselves. But when I talk to them about how to purchase land, I don't think that they understand that the land holds 80% of the value. So the value of the land will have an appreciation and it'll have like, this is what this land is worth. It's worth that to the bank. It's worth that on a short sale right now. It is worth that no matter what is on it. Yep. That's the value that the bank will loan you on that piece of property. So whatever, if you find it right, you can buy it right. If you find it where you have a 10 or 20% down and let's say you have your house paid off. Like I've got some buddies that surprisingly they're in their thirties and their houses are paid off. And I'm like, yo dude, your house worth like $250,000. I don't know how you did it, but it's paid off. If I were you, I would not. You, you just told me you're going to an investment guy. Why, why would you take it to the investment guy and make very little money on your money? Like it's really hard to make any money investing it in very much these days. And then this is the same, this is my same buddy that says like, Hey man, let me know if you have any leases. Let me know if you have any extra places I can get in on or whatever. And I'm like, listen, if you took your house and you put it up and you bought this property right over here that I just listed, or that I know is listed, I don't make any money on it or whatever. If you bought this piece of property and you went out with your three kids every weekend and you picked up sticks and you cut down, you cut down the dead trees and you carved paths and you put these tree stands up and you worked on a food plot like we just talked about. Yep. If he just did them, in two years, that property, if he's showing not only good animals, but showing the work that's been done to take it from blank to that. Not only is he bond with his family doing what he's already doing on other people's leases and land anyways. Um, I want to teach people how they can do that and they can buy land. One, that's my business. I make money by getting it from the seller that's going to pay it to someone anyways. Sure. So if, 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 if my friend, his name's Cody, if Cody was the buyer... Cody doesn't pay me nothing. We're on the same team. So, so I really want to teach people how to not only one buy land and buy it right. I want to teach other. I want to teach people how to work their land and put and and put their little sweat, you know, the little sweat and their fun and their back to nature 
they're going to put that back in and gain equity. Yep. So not only that, they're going to be making money and investing in their own land. And I think that's the big jam because selling property is easy. If the, pro the property is always worth what the property is worth. But if they can build that equity and understand that, then that's going to make the world a better place. And in the future, because you're not just going to have the people that their fathers taught them, the, their wealthy fathers taught them how to be wealthy and their buddies were wealthy and whatever. But there's a lot of guys like me and that I grew up with that had to fight for everything that they ever got. And they have to be smart about their equity. They have to be smart about how to build it. They have to be smart that if he's a deer hunter, why would he want those $30,000 worth of walnuts in that property anyways? They're not letting anything grow under them. So if they're marketable trees and they're going to pull out 30 grand worth of trees, sell them. I'm going to get him a guy that's not going to screw him over. That's my tree guy and say, listen, dude, take them out. Even that one that's 300 bucks. I got guys that'll, those are tabletop trees. This guy doesn't have a cat head up to 16 feet on this other straight one. That's a $1,200 tree right there. They're going to pay you standing after deer season, have them take them out. We'll get them out of here. And then we, then we can plant new stuff in there. And then how to use that as their own. Okay. If he, he does Cody farms, LLC. Now he, now he gets to get a new four wheeler and a sprayer because he gets to expense it. Now he's got a little <laughs> business and now he's got a, this. And he's like, what? I was like, it's that easy. And I'm like, yeah, man, it's that easy. And yep. people think it's so hard. And you're like, stop going up to the gas station or the bar and putting your money in the slot machine. Stop going out and chasing some floozy girls and spending money like I did when I was in my 20s. Put this money away. Work that little bit of overtime. I can show you how for $5,000 a year you can have your own piece of property and gain an equity on it. I think that's my mission in life is to do that and then talk about the gospel. Well, and I think still kill giant deer. I think for most people, taking mm -hmm. that initial step is the scary part. Once they take it, it that is. step and they get that little bit of knowledge, yeah. Oh, that's all I had to do. <laughs> oh, I just had this conversation with one of my best friends. He's been my best friend for. He's been one of my really close friends, kind of a father figure for the last ten or fifteen years. And I'm like, why don't you buy a piece of property? And he. He, I literally had a conversation when I said, hey, he said, how much do I need for a down payment? I said, depends on the farm. But if you buy a million dollar farm, I need $200,000 down and I'll get you this through that. And I can do a, uh, I said, I said, you don't even have to make a payment because it's a farm for a year. So you don't have to make any payment. And if we buy the farm and, and you don't put it, you just put your deposit down. And I said, I will sell that tillable off to the farmer down the road. For double what you bought the property for we'll keep the rough ground keep the hunting rights to it cut off three acres for food plus with the food plot with the right access keep this ditch up here to put a pond on a little bitty cabin and i said you're going to be you're going to be you're going to be 150 to 200,000 ahead within 12 months and refi and then you're not even going to have half that out and that farmer's going to take all that tillable you'll own the hunting rights to it and i said and he looked at, he was on the phone and he just kind of paused and he was like, you gotta be kidding me. He said, everything that you just said, I have no idea what you're talking about. I said, listen, then I'll set, if, if that farm gets set up right, we set it up and it doesn't have the deer that you want, like kind of, there might be another farm or whatever. I said, I'll sell that farm. You'll have a profit. They'll be happy. We'll 1031 that money. And then now you won't even have to put a deposit out because you just paid it. And he goes, I have no idea what you're talking about. I have run a $40 million company. 
doing scrap metal in the good days for the last 50 years. And I have no idea what your Illinois redneckness just told me about 1031 and money, whatever. And I never thought I'd hear that out of your mouth. I'm like, well, they took hunting away from me for three years. So I had to study something with my brain. I, like I studied real estate. <laughs> I studied land. I said, now I get to do both. And I said, now we get to get you a piece of ground. He said, I'm in. I'll fly in next Thursday for your birthday. And he said, let's go look at some land. And I was like, okay. But I think you're right. But what I want to be is I want to be that sounding person that if they're going to make a big investment, one, now they can hire me either on a console. Come look at my ground. Come look at my stuff. Have an hour-long conversation. You're going to pay uh -huh. more to your investor guy down the road at Bob's Investments. Then sure. you are going to call me for an hour and go, teach me about this stuff. And I go, okay, I make this an hour. I'll teach you whatever yep. you want to know. And I'll uh, be like, listen, I'll hold, here, I'll hold your hand. Come on. I can teach you. I don't want your money. I'm going to make money off the seller selling it because he's going to pay somebody. Yep. You're not paying me nothing. But one day you're going to go, Chris, I want to sell this farm. I need you to sell it and go find me another one. And I'm like, okay, I'm wanting to be with you for the next 20 years not the next 20 days. I don't really care. Like anything else, man. It's building relationships. You it's do the right thing, they'll always come back to you. Yeah, man. Yeah. I think people understand that I've I've never really lied to them. Even my situation that went down, I never have told what actually happened. Everybody knows what they think happened. But we think we know what happened with the presidency. Whatever. All these different things. Nobody really knows the truth because they never asked. They yep. just want to jump off a bridge and jump. I could tell them stuff that they would go, what? I'm like, yeah, dude, I threw up my hands, paid my fine, and sat out. I couldn't win that. I couldn't even tell the people the real stuff that happened. So, you know, that's why I'm thinking the Full Metal Bracket podcast and the Land Life podcast. I think that's in the future. I think my mom's most important right now. I'd love to go back on TV in a uh, because I think some of the Fear No Evil and Aeroflush and stuff, I think some of it needs to resurface and just kind of needs a new presentation on it. And a lot of people are like, oh, leave it away. It was a classic. And you're like, no, it's not delivered in that. It's delivered in, this is fun. We need fun again. We just need fun again. Here's some fun stuff, man. Because I told people the other day, I was having a conversation with a lady that said, my daughter's beautiful and she hunts and she kills everything and she's awesome and she wants to have a TV show. And I said, all those things are great. But let me tell you one thing. Does she know who Bob Folkrod is? This if this girl got on dressed in camouflage, she really was pretty. And she knew about hunting. And she told the story of how Bob Folkrod, from PA out that way, um, uh, how Bob Folkrod built homemade blinds out of, out of uh, conifer trees and whatever. And he would carry a, an axe, a little one-handled axe in his bow, and would hunt bears from the ground. And when the bear would stick his nose in there, hit him with the axe, the bear would leave. And one time he hit him with the axe and he hit it off off the side of his face and that bear ripped him out of that thing and he stabbed him and killed him the bear bit, bit him like 20 something times and he stabbed him like 30 something times and killed the bear if this girl went back and told stories about the ogs that started the outdoors and the tv and the marketing and the whatever and they'd have all the credibility in the world but they'd rather show their the, show their butt and their their boobs and go look at me i'm in camo whatever and they don't really know what it took to forge, whether it be America or whether it be yep. the industry or whether it be the gangsters, the OGs that came before them that paved the way. I used to get in trouble 25 years ago for showing slow-mos on the Outdoor Channel. And now 
Everyone walks in slow-mo. Everybody's truck's in slow-mo. The arrows are in slow-mo. The blood's in slow-mo. Everything's slow-mo. And I remember when I used to get in trouble on Aerofliction Outdoor Channel 20 years ago for, for showing a kill too graphic in slow-mo. Everything's changed now. Everything's changed. changed. Now we're getting old. Right? Like, literally, I'm just an old man going, these kids nowadays, they just don't know anything. But I can tell them how to get there. You paid homage to these OGs that truly were. I mean, there's just so there's just so many. There's many of them that I, that I got inspired by because I'm only 45, but I may look a little older. Once the feds come to your living room, you age real quick. But I'm over 45. When the, <laughs> but when but when the, uh, but there's so many guys, man, for 20 years before me that I watched that I'm like, listen. Every Monster Buck video, every primetime video, Steve Puppy that, you know, he's gone now. But there's so much funny stuff that's out there that if, if these – I don't know who has the primetime videos, but I don't know if one of your guys out there, Matt Marek, can get a hold of it. If somebody reprogrammed these, these primetime videos and these old first Monster Bucks and all this old stuff, there is nothing like it in the planet. And I don't know why they don't. I mean, it's like watching Nick at Night or something. Why don't they play all this super old classic stuff? It's the best of the best. Roger Ragland freaking out when his hair was this big and he was in <laughs> Jimmy Christmas and freaking out. Like, that's he's, that's he's still doing stuff. it. And these kids just don't get it. And none of them were in Sitka. None of them were wearing $700 pants that look like they're designed by a bunch of people in California. Uh, I was wearing. Uh... Old uh, army fatigues out in the <laughs> woods back in the early eighties. That's that's what we did. Yeah, you know? brother. <laughs> so I had let somebody me ask asked me the other day. He said, "What are you wearing when you hunt?" I said, "I went to Farm King. I got me some gray overalls, <laughs> and I said I took a bunch of face paint and I put it on my my gray hat. And I said I wore a black hoodie most of the year. And everybody's like, "What are you doing that for?" And I'm like, "I don't know." Kind of a middle finger to the industry. None of them stuck by me. None of them even asked what happened. Yeah. None of them even cared. And the industry's become a big giant commercial, and I'm out. Don't well, I don't care about it. Don't let me ask me. you this: after yeah. the three year vacation, mm -hmm. how yeah. good did it feel to Bro. step back in the field? Bro. Last year, <laughs> I've only had my foot. I've only had my license back since July, and so. Um, this is this is the state of Illinois that I, I believe is communist. I don't really know. I haven't got to the bottom of it. We just got a lot of corrupt governors, but I have to have a FOID card, a firearm owner's identification. It was actually illegally taken from me because I was charged with stuff, but I was never convicted of uh, uh, anything but a misdemeanor. So they took my FOID card. Well, it took an it truly took an act of Congress to get my firearm owner's identification back. So I couldn't wow. even dove hunt. I couldn't gun hunt. I couldn't waterfowl hunt anywhere in the country because I didn't have a FOID card and I was on a federal criminals investigation or whatever. They put me in like this thing. Like I get it, but there are certain rights that that the government absolutely stomped me in the ground on. But in July, when I got my stuff back, I, I couldn't look forward to dove hunting. I couldn't look forward to any of this stuff. But so that's why I went so hard and heavy into whitetails. And I immediately was after this one. And I killed him on like October 16th. And when I killed him, I actually killed him at 91 yards. Wow. And I, and I outsmarted him. And I was in a, I was in a hole in the ground. 
an actual bunker on the side of the soybean field. And, and uh, a, a, a buddy of mine had made it and it had a little opening, like a, like a tour, a turret bunker. In, in, this is like a goose uh, blind. Well, kind of, yeah, like a pit, but it was only a one man. It was the size of a, uh, it was the size of like a, a rocking chair. And you sat in it and you sat on the ground and there's mice running around your feet and you've got about four <laughs> inches to stick the crossbow out of it. And there's deer walking by and all I can see is their feet and, and I've got the wind and I actually crept in. But I watched this deer and I couldn't move in on him because I never had a uh, constant wind and I finally got a wind that was just okay. And I slipped in there, slipped in the back and that buck come out and I, I had him no wind, no nothing. Thunk. Shot him in the back of the lungs, liver. He went off. I tracked him that night. Found him the next. I was tracking him in giant CRP. I found him the next morning. And uh, but the, here's the greatest part: I was able to take my nephew to kill his first buck. Wow! Before I killed mine, so he was the first hunt of the year. And it was like October fifth, and this giant six-year-old walks up out of this ditch right next to us. It was super quiet. My nine, my eight at the time, eight-year-old nephew and my eleven-year-old nephew were with me, and and I was hunting, and they were actually my cameraman. I was trying to kill this deer named Handy, and just then this giant eight-pointer walked out, and I went, "Say, you want to shoot him?" And he's like, oh, and he freaked out. And I gave him, and he shot him at forty-five yards with the Raven freehand. That is great, and that was better than either deer I killed. That's awesome. That was better than either deer. Because I couldn't even go. I couldn't even go to the field. Like, they took – during the proceedings or whatever, they took that away. And and they said, well, you can go to the field. You can film. Ted Nugent offered me a producing job. Said, come to Texas. I'll film. Blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and, and and I was like, ah. But, but I had that option. I presented it to the judge. He wrote a letter. And they said I could do it. The problem was is that the, the lady that was against me was the prosecutor. And she didn't want me in the field. She knew if I was producing content that I would influence America. Uh -huh. They didn't want me influencing at all. And I said, wow. okay. So I took my wife out and I filmed her shoot this giant. I didn't hunt all season. Cameras were going off. This big deer was coming out. I went out right after church. Kill my, my film my wife kill this monster runs off i didn't even touch the deer i had called my buddy down the street had him drag it filmed it all never touched the animal never touched the bow never touched nothing and they called me back in the federal and they said he's hunting and it's on youtube and it did two hundred fifty thousand views or whatever and the judge is like well didn't you guys say that he just couldn't hunt doesn't that doesn't fall in it he's filming and uh and yeah, that was a whole nother deal. And the judge literally looked at me and goes, Chris, clearly they don't want you anywhere near it. Can we have wow. 12 months? Can, can you just, can you just appease them and just stay out of the field? And I'm like, well, where does it end? Because I plant turnips for a living, for a yep. deer to eat, for a guy to shoot the deer. What, isn't that participating in hunting? And they said, no. I said, yes, it is. I said, and then, and then I asked a game warden, and a game warden said, no, it is. That's participating in the hunt. I said, okay, guy goes to an outfitter at your place. Yeah. Is that cook that's preparing the meal to send that hunter out, is he participating in the hunt or she? I mean, it just depends on what, what somebody calls foul. Yeah. So where is the line? For me, it was where did the line go? In Indiana, what I did and what we tagged all the deer and we found the deer later and 
is a whole different deal than what happened. But at the time, it was a $125 fine from Indiana. $125. And I kept wow. the deer. What happened to us, what happened to me five years later, when somebody stole the piece of footage and took the footage and did the whatever was two felony charges. What's, what's really fair and what really happened? Mm-hmm. And was it, what, what, did people understand really what happened and, and whatever? And I don't know if that should come out in a book. I don't know if that should be in partners like you guys. I do a podcast series to start out kind of my deal and say, I'm going to tell everything. I'm going to get documents. I'm going to tell all of what happened. I'm going to tell what, because I, I invited the feds instantly into my house. Indiana game warden, Illinois game warden, and into my house. I told them everything that happened. They hunted me for a year and a half later. And they had they had literally had like 10 days before the statute of limitations was up, and they threw everything against the wall like spaghetti. Do, do you think you were treated unfairly or made an example of? Uh, well, it's that's, that's why I want to use what the judge said. The judge says in court, one of the last sentences was Chris Brackett. If you weren't Chris Brackett and you are clearly great at your, at your job, you would not be here. If you were anybody else, you're held at a higher standard than everybody else on this planet. You inspire the country to do hunting and how to do it ethically and how to do whatever. And there's just no question. You've admitted that you admitted to guilt, whatever that looks like or whatever, because there's, there was so much stuff. Right. And I just said, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guilty. Yeah. Yeah. He said, so I'm, I have no doubt that you'll go back to what you love. And I have no doubt that you'll be go back to doing it the best in the world. He said, but for right now, you're on timeout and hit the gavel. And I want to wow. read the words in the thing because nobody came to nobody. This would be the teaser to end the deal. Nobody came and sat there. Nobody's looked at the transcripts. It's all yep. public record. Sure. All of it's public record. What they went after, what they did, what they're, and me standing there going, can we just can we just get on with this? I I let him in my house. I told him what I did. I don't know what the crazy stuff that you guys are adding on to whatever. I well, told you guys what I did. Can we you, just get on with our lives? You you're not the only one in the industry that has had a situation. I mean, there's been I'm people. Just not the, I'm just the one that's not rich with TV shows. Yeah, that shot yeah. an elk out of season. Shot a bear without a license, got caught baiting, not naming any names, but they all have TV shows. How yeah. come they weren't made an example of them? Well, the, what the lady, what the lady said, and I want to uh, one day I want to tell all of it. But what the what the lady said, literally, what they did was one. I can tell you this. One, this 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 part of it is I tell all of it, but this is what I want to say is when they came to my house and I said, "Hey, listen." I shot a deer, ran off, giant puff of smoke, whatever. I didn't, I didn't care if I killed it. I looked over and saw another one. My cameraman tells me this, whatever, I shoot that one. I never found the first one, but I shot the second one and killed it dead. Two days later, I found the first one. I tagged that one. I tagged the other one. We had two tags. We had a cameraman tag. We had this. We found them two days apart. That's the short version. Now, does anybody know about the third book? No, no, no one ever asked about the third buck I killed six days earlier that I did never did find. But I heart shot him on film. What about him? Does it count because I didn't look hard enough or I looked hard enough the second time to actually find the first one that we never found for two more days. But when we found it, we decided to tag it because it was still good. And did we, was that the same deer? I don't know. But all I know is that I did things in this world 
in my life that I was guilty of. And whether what they were saying completely was 100%, I broke the law. The problem, the problem is, is what I broke the law for and what the Lacey Act stands for, those are two separate things. But either way, I wasn't winning any of it, and I was guilty of a violation for sure. And yep. I admitted guilt, I took the punishment, and I said, there's no way after at the end of 30 months, at the end of $30,000 plus all my lawyer's fees and all this stuff and all this time out, that anybody can say he didn't do what he should have done. But he, he just, he paid the price, right? I didn't go and get my, my money. I didn't get my money. I didn't, I didn't have any money. They knew they had me against the wall, but do you want, do you want to know what they really wanted? What they really wanted was me to not, uh, to plead it down and give up a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I was in the industry for 15 or 20 years. I've hunted with every single person on the planet. They wanted me to give up every outfitter. They wanted me to give up everything that I've ever heard about, everything that I wanted. They wanted me to go undercover. They wanted me to do all these things. But what? I wasn't willing to do any of it. Not one thing. The minute that they started questioning people in my life and without me knowing it, and they, they were digging into all these people around me's lives... I went, don't talk to me, talk to my lawyer, I'm done. Just where's the deal? I'll just take it. This is over. Because when they started getting into other people and when they started wanting me to rat, when they just want to start doing whatever. And listen, I had a list of people that I would love to watch perish. But I just went, none of that. I'll just take the heat. It don't matter to me. But the greatest part is all that saved my life, right? And so... When the, re- when the whole story comes out about everything, it is the most unbelievable, fascinating thing on the planet that, and where, and everyone will fall in, in the middle of it. Like everyone will fall in, like, I would have done the same thing too. That was just a deer. Like there, like there's, it's, there's so many levels to it that they're like, they, they did what? They, the persecution, the investigation, the whatever. And, and all it was was because they wanted to get me to flip. But I wasn't doing crap. It, it just goes just to show America I live in. that the government can do anything yeah. they want to do. They can do anything they want. And I realized it, it. Like at the beginning, I was like, okay, well, I did this, but I didn't do all this. And it was just like, no, no. But if you did number six, you did all hundred. Like that, it was in and, there. And, and I'm like, but can I tell the judge the truth? Can I tell the persecution, the, the persecutor, the uh, whatever? Prosecutor. And the judge and, and the prosecution and the judge. Can I just tell them? Can I just speak freely? My lawyer's like, absolutely not. <laughs> and I'm like, what? What? I loved. I believed so much in America. I believed in. I believed in all the truths that were, I, I, get, I don't know if I was naive or just, I just, I was truly, I truly came from a very poor beginning, not eating breakfast three times a week. My mom trying to keep the lights on, uh, school teacher, simple. And I, me, I'm, I really truly believed in the American dream that you could do anything in this world and that you could just work hard enough and that the system, like, I guess I just didn't grow up in a place I'd never been in trouble before. I had been pulled over for speeding tickets, but I'd never been in cuffs. I'd never been in trouble. So I truly believed in the in the world that we were in, that it was just the greatest. And I still believe that it's a great country. I believe that we're broken. I believe we're broken like sinners. And I, I know who wins in the end, and I know where I'm going. And so I rest in peace of that. Um, 
but they took the fight out of the dog. Mm -hmm. Like I got the vaccine. I got everything. Like I just gave up. I'm like, I can't wait. I can't wait for death. Like most people say, like, you can't wait for death. You're like, ah, well, if you read the Bible, you'll know what it, what death really is. It's, it's life. It's not really death. So for me, it was like when that world that everything that I loved broke in and you realize that it wasn't what you thought it was. Mm -hmm. I realized that my life was really in heaven and that, and, and just that life was different and it saved my life on earth because I, then knew what this life was about. And so it's really, it's really kind of a crazy deal because I really believed in all that, the goodness of what the world was. And then when I was just opened my eyes to this system that I hear, I hear minorities, I hear people that are in bad situations that are, you know, that they're just kind of born into the system. And, and I got my taste of it at an epic level, man, because it wasn't, it was not just, I did something wrong and I was in trouble and I was in prison. It was, I did something wrong. It was going to be Fox. It was on Fox News. It was on all this stuff. It was like, everything I loved was taken away from me. It wasn't just, it wasn't just me being punished. It was taken away from me for a purpose grander than me. And I didn't understand it. And I think I was more heartbroken about it. I think I was more heartbroken about our system and the people. People were so, there was a lot of people that didn't care. And they were like, oh, he's really tough. He'll be fine. I'll still watch him. He'll be fine. And there's so many people that was just like, he'll be, he's tough. He's fine. Then there were so many people that were so upset to their core and so mad at me. And I'm like, you don't even know me. You know what character. I don't know. what." <laughs> and so through all that, it was really just a very traumatic. And you saw the government. You saw, you saw the yep. lawyer system going, no, 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 no. Just plead. We'll get the best deal we can. You're like. But that's not just. I want to talk about it. I want. I want to talk the truth. I want to talk whatever. It don't that's work not that the way. That's not the system, man. Don't work that's not that the way. System. No. It does not work that way. Hey, you know what? You've always been a decent guy to me. We've done interviews before. We've interacted at shows and whatnot. I treat you the same way you treat me. Yeah, that's man. That's what is. life's about. Well, it should be. I should treat, be treating you better and. You know what I mean? Like we should be one up in each other just to love on each other, like, like talk and take that time to say something to somebody and take that time. Just even if, it, you know, hunting may, may get into like what you were saying, guns, bows, whatever. But man, just smile at somebody. Yep. You don't know what they're going through, right? So. No, no. but we're running out of time here. So, <laughs> man, I'm really glad about your new endeavor. Thanks for having me on. Hey, I appreciate you coming on. Love to have you on again. Find out what's happening next. And yeah, definitely bro. stay in touch. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it, Chris. All right. Happy. We love our children. We protect them. We guide them. We prepare them for life in the world. With all that we do, from deep in our hearts, we cannot control all things. Life-threatening illnesses and disabilities affect far too many of our children each year. While we cannot change the circumstance, we can make dreams come true. Dreams to provide hope, to provide spiritual healing and strength, to provide moments of happiness and relief in the hardest of times. We can give a glimmer of light and hope in a time of darkness and despair. Join HuntOfALifetime.org to help make dreams come true, to provide hope for children with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nonprofit organization fulfilling dreams for hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. 
Visit huntofalifetime.org to learn how you can make a difference.